Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. What a whirlwind the last three months have been uh, for this whole country. Welcome back to church. <laughs> I mean, in the last three months, we have, uh, we've seen a lot of things. We've seen division, in particularly, that, has run, that runs so deep throughout the fiber of our nation that it's become very difficult to even be properly informed of what's really going on. From pandemic fears to political leaders trying to gain footholds of control to the real systematic racism issues in our country being hijacked by radical anarchists who seek to destroy this nation from within. Not to mention a media that has uh, killed journalism by becoming so biased that they are truly more of a propaganda agency than anything else. In the midst of all this, we as Christians can't help but see it all as signs of the end times. They're signs of the times, folks. We are living in the last days, church, and are experiencing some of those birth pangs that the Bible talks about. And when I say birth pangs, I'm referring to the convulsive, geopolitical, geophysical, astrophysical and worldwide socioeconomic events. We've seen all of that as is, as, and issues scheduled uh, that occur in the time leading up to Jesus' second coming. They're all happening. And I don't say that to scare anybody this morning. It's just the facts. Read your Bible and you'll see that that's true. We don't know the day or the hour, right? We don't know that. Now, come on, it's been three months since I had somebody talking back to me, so when I say right, you say, yeah? <laughs> oh, thank you. feels so good. We don't know the day and the hour, but we need to be able to recognize the signs of the times. And it seems that there is a craziness out there that can't be reasoned with. Have you noticed that? Some people are so, uh, I don't like to use the word crazy, but crazy, that they can't even be reasoned with. The more they talk, the more you talk, the less they listen. Seems that there's just a total abandonment of common sense and basic biblical values. I want to remind you all of something this morning. Hear me. I prayed a lot about this morning's message. I, I kind of wanted it to be real celebratory and welcome to church, you know, kind of thing, but it's just not what the Holy Spirit gave me. And if I offend somebody this morning, I, I, I'm happy. Okay? I want to remind you of something this morning. Truth, and write it down. Put it in your phones. Take your phones out. Take notes. Do it! <laughs> Truth is absolute Truth is absolute. Truth does not bend to individuals and become relative to them because of their specific situation or circumstance. Truth is absolute. It doesn't bend to the person. Truth exists on its own is what I'm saying. It's outside of the human experience. It's not your truth and my truth, it's just truth. I've heard people say that so much lately. Well, that's your truth, and this is my truth. That is not truth. That undefines truth. That's not truth. That's opinion. 
Truth and opinion are two different things. Truth is absolute. It's absolute. You have to understand that truth by definition does not need human validation in order to be true. Again, it's absolute. I can say this with 100% confidence this morning because all truth is sourced in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the author and the embodiment of all things true. That means if Jesus says it, it's absolutely true. It doesn't depend on what you believe. Truth doesn't change or shift because of what you think. It's absolute, and the Bible tells us this. It's truth. It's absolute. Our job is to find it and come underneath of it and submit to it, not create it so it suits us best. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I, meaning him, am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word became flesh John 1.14, this is what it says. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. These scriptures are real basic. You've heard them before, but what they're saying is Jesus Christ is the truth. I am the way, I am the truth. John 1.1 again. In the beginning was the word. That's Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. The Word became flesh, John 1.14. I'm repeating it because I want you to get it. The Word became flesh. The truth became flesh. Jesus is the truth. The Word and Jesus are one and the same. You can't separate them. And I, I, I can say all this today because as disciples of Christ... Our source of truth, it has to be the Word of God. It has to be Jesus. That's why I'm saying it today. Your first source of truth should not be CNN. Or Fox. Or what your neighbor or coworkers say. Your source of truth shouldn't be in what your union says. Your source of truth should not be found in various books or blogs you read. Your source of truth should not be found by listening to your favorite podcast or musical artists or your pastor. That's not your source of truth. You can turn the lights up so they don't blink. Just turn them all the way up. I'm fine with that. They're temperamental. They haven't been used in a while. Your source of truth is Jesus Christ and his word, period, end of story. Drop the mic and walk away. Okay, that's your source of truth. And obviously we need to keep up on current events, but all of the information we receive in doing that must be filtered through the word of God. Christians, I'm talking to you. Because a lot of you have been spending more time watching television and the news programs than you've been spending opening the good book. Early in my ministry here in Indianola, my predecessor, Pastor Calloway, and I were driving down the interstate, and 
And during the weeks leading up to this, he'd begin saying a phrase, and if you knew Pastor Calloway, he'd get on some things, and he'd kind of stay on them a while, and then he'd get on something else, and that was just his personality, and it's kind of fun. But something he got on for a while and was this phrase that he kept using, and he used it on me as well, and it, it was a phrase that was kind of condescending, at least that's how I felt, and I didn't appreciate him saying it. But it seemed like he was using this little phrase more and more in reference to things I said or did and, or, or maybe that he didn't agree with. And uh, the phrase was, grow up. So we're driving down the road and the interstate and we're talking and all of a sudden he says, you need to grow up. Well, I pretty much had my fill of it, so I said, you gotta quit saying that to me because I don't like it. And we talked some more. He got a little mad when I said that and I got a little... You know, our chest started puffing up more and more, and car, the, the car began to fill with some volume. And we got talking about it because we were really good at talking through things, he and I. And I, I, love, I love Pastor Callaway with all my heart. Don't, don't take this wrong this morning. But we talked through it some more and quickly found out that generationally, I was taking that phrase to heart much more than he was meaning it. I don't know if he really knew totally how offensive that was. He just thought it was a cool phrase, you know, grow up. An in thing to say in his generation, I don't know. But to me, they were fighting words. And I, uh, after we talked about it, I didn't hold it against him and he didn't say it to me anymore. But as sure as I'm speaking to you here today, the Holy Spirit has dropped this phrase in my spirit, into my spirit, and spoken it to me. Grow up, Barry. Grow up, church. And I'm not trying to be offensive. Maybe I am, I don't know. I'm not trying to be offensive. Especially being our first day back here in 12 weeks, but every one of us needs to hear this today. We need to grow up. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 says this, concerning this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and disinclined to listen for though by this time you ought to be teachers how many of you consider yourself teachers couple teachers of the bible teachers of the word of god teachers of the things of god because of, because of the time, or, I'm sorry. For by this time you ought to be teachers because of the time you have had to learn these truths. How many have had time to learn truths? You actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning and you have to have, have come to be continually in need of milk, not solid food. Verse 13, for everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness since he or she is a spiritual infant. But solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is morally evil. See, folks, there's a difference between drinking spiritual milk and chewing spiritual meat. And I think it's important here to define what milk is. Milk is food that has already been digested. 
It's, com- it's complex food that, that has been, it's a complex food that has been converted and broken down into simpler food so that's easier for the body to digest. Mammals, when first born, and you know this, require a food substance that is less complex. A mammal's mother eats complex food and her body produces milk that is easier for the infant to take in. Milk is food that has already been through the digestive process. It's broken down. And it's now easier for another body to consume. In the same way, our spiritual beings need to be fed At first, it's spiritual milk that we need, and we get it from those in the body of Christ who have partaken of the more complex truths of the Word of God and have meditated on it and consumed it, applied it and lived it out, essentially breaking it down to feed to others. But so many within the body of Christ, so many within the church, refuse to grow up and start feasting on the more complex truths and they're just satisfied with milk. Now, by that definition of milk, you could say, and I can make a case for it scripturally, that everything you hear when you come to church is basically milk because someone else has taken it in, studied it, digested it, whether it be a pastor or a teacher of some class. They've digested it and made it easier for you to consume. It's milk. So how do you get meat then? Because I hear people say, well, I want to go to church and get some real meat from the sermon today. You know what that's called? Lazy. That's lazy. Do you see what I'm saying? Two things happen when the church does this. Number one, they remain infants because they don't grow to maturity. That baby's still on a bottle. How old is he now? Oh, 60 months. We don't hear that, do we? You're still breastfeeding your child? How old is he? Oh, he's 72 months. That's disgusting, right? But in church, There's people who've been here for 30 years who are still drinking milk, and that's all they drink. Go to their house, their Bible's got a layer of dust on it like this thick. I just need milk. Just feed me, feed me, feed me. America has, in the church of America, it's become much like that. We have these professionals who are supposed to eat the word, the complex things of the word, chew it up, digest it, Boy, this is kind of a gross way to talk about this, isn't it? And then give it as milk to the congregation. And in America, we look around us and we say, well, that guy's pretty bad and that guy's pretty bad. And I watch TV and I see those people are pretty bad. I'm pretty good compared to everybody else. And we get satisfied just drinking milk. I hope you're hearing me today. The first thing that happens, again, they remain infants because they don't grow to maturity. I think there's churches full of immature Christians. I don't want to be one of them. And number two, they become useless. There's an old phrase, useless as blinks on a boar hog. Useless. It's kind of a fitting phrase for this. 
And why do I say that? Because you're useless in having the ability to feed milk to anyone else. You see, when you start eating complex food by getting in the word of God yourself, then you are filled up with meat, and then you can break it down, digest it, and give it to people that are in need of milk. That's pretty cool. And everybody ought to be doing that. That's a Christian. I believe the Spirit's calling us out this morning, and he's saying, grow up. Whatever maturity level in Christ you are, grow up. Because by now you ought to be teaching these truths, not having to learn, relearn them for yourself. I just asked a minute ago, how many consider yourselves teachers of the word? I mean, maybe two hands went up. How long have you been sitting in church getting fed milk, maturing in God? How long have you uh, been a Christian with the Bible in your hand and the Bible on the internet. And I, how many remember the Bible when it came out on CD? That was so awesome, right? We could listen to it, and I love that. And now it's on, online. You can listen to it in any version and any, pretty much any language you want. The Bible has never been more accessible to the world. It's never been more accessible to Christians than it is right now. And I, I, I would, I'm guessing, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure I'm right, it's being less read than ever before by Christians. What is your Christianity about? It should be about the word of God. I, I, I want to say something. That I, I, are you hearing me today? Is anybody really offended yet? Okay, well, get ready. You might get now. Um, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm really not. I have heard so many people say, I can't wait to get back to the church for worship. In some ways, we've become addicted as Christians almost because it's entertaining to sit and be a part of worship. Now, how many love the presence of God? I do. Can I tell you a reason why the pulpit will always be in the center of the platform? Because the word of God is the most important thing in this church. I hope people are hungry for the word, so hungry that they just don't take the milk in, and the milk's good. But that doesn't satisfy them, that they go to the next level and they say, you know what, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna get in this Bible. August, I, I love your dad. He doesn't go to church here, but I love your dad. I, I know from talking to him that he has spent time in the word. Every day, isn't it? Every day. It's awesome. Every day. Almost to the point where it's like needed like the air we breathe. That's the word of God. That's how we should consider it. Get in the word and study it. Meditate on it. Let it become your source of truth. And don't build doctrines of belief off a verse here and there. Let the Bible interpret itself and take it all in as a whole and let it produce your whole worldview. That includes your moral, political, doctrinal, sociological, and every other category of belief. It becomes your everything. So many people just believe what they believe and then shop around for those that believe like they do in order to validate their personal belief on a matter. And more times than not, these beliefs are formed from listening to others and not based off the word of God itself. 
Church, if we're going to remain strong through any birth pangs that we may have to endure until Jesus returns, and I hope it's been a wake-up call, this is, I think this is just the beginning of different kinds of things we have to go through. And it's not fun to think about that. I mean, I love a nice, comfortable, easy life, but God didn't necessarily promise that. He promised a blessed life, but why do we think that comfort and blessing are the same thing? Blessed and, and persevering life. You know, we in America can say, yeah, we want the blessed life. If we don't have it, we don't have enough faith. If we don't have it, we must be sinning. If we don't have it, we must be out of the blessing of God. But honestly, comfortable, comfortable? Tell that to the the people that give their lives for the gospel every single day. Tell that to people who are beheaded because they won't say that they deny the name of Jesus. We're spoiled in this country, and we have a great nation. Don't get me wrong. But as the world starts moving towards the end of things, we're going to see more and more. And if we're going to remain strong through any of those birth pangs, we're going to have to source our truth in the Bible. God's word, Jesus himself. It's got to be sourced there. And I want you to listen to a portion of scripture from Ephesians 4, and I want you to think about it in reference to the pandemic that, that we, we've gone through, that we're kind of in still, and all, the, all the, the, the garbage that we've heard on both ends of the spectrum, and the, the 12 weeks of weirdness, and, and, and uh, everything that we've gone through in the sheltering in place stuff. And I want to think about Paul's words to the church at, at Ephesus in reference to the, the peaceful protests and the subject of systematic racism in our country, and anarchists who have propped up the situation as the reason to destroy public and private property, and all the social media posts that we've read and that we've even posted ourselves sometimes. And I know that everyone has an opinion about all these things, but resist that knee-jerk reaction. That, that, that's, that's easy to have, right? It's easy to just get mad about it. It's easy to just get frustrated and spew off about whatever. Forget about all that, just put that aside, wipe the slate clean, so to speak, and think about all this stuff through the filter of God's word that I'm gonna read. Close your eyes and I want you to listen to this. Ephesians 4, one through seven. So I, the prisoner for the Lord, it's Paul, he's in jail, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is, to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. A life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. With all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, Maintaining self-control with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love. Verse three says, make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's each individual working together to make the whole successful. Verse four, there is one body of believers and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all who is sovereign over all and working through all and living in all. Verse seven, yet grace, which is God's undeserved favor, was given to each one of us 
not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. Refocus. Think about all the stuff going on. I'm going to continue on just a little bit. I'm going to start with verse 11. And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service, to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit, but speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth. And then it says, let us grow up in all things into him which is following his example who is the head of Christ or who is the head which is Christ verse 16 from him the whole body the church and all of its various parts joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies when each part is working properly causes the body to grow and mature building itself up in unselfish love I want to I want to tell you why I just did that and some of you are like, I didn't get that. I don't, I don't understand what you were doing. You take your situation, you take your circumstance, you take what you're going through, you take what's filling up your heart and your mind and your emotions and all the stuff that, that, that's, that's swirling around you and in you, and you go to the Word of God and you read it and you think about all of those things and you let the Word of God be your filter. It will change your perspective. How many, even if it was slightly, had a little bit of perspective change when we did that, when you were thinking about all this stuff and then you just read that? Maybe just a little bit of a perspective change. Maybe just a little bit. I know I did. Have you ever watched the TV and just wanted to throw something at it? How many talked to the TV in the last three months out loud? That's weird. That's weird. It's not about getting angry. We know these things are going to happen. Church, it's time to do what we're called to do. Be the Christians who we're called to be. Be mature. Get off the milk. Get on the meat by getting in the Word of God ourselves and doing what it says to do. Being humble. Being self-control? You think yelling at the TV is self-control? I, I know, because I've done it many times. How many are like me and you just have to shut it off or because you know you will talk back to the TV? Just me? Okay, I got all the problems. I understand anger, trust me. I get that stupidity is seemingly running rampant. 
But as disciples of Christ, we should be responding to everything out of the foundation and truth of the Word of God. And if you've been satisfied with milk, eating what others have eaten and have digested before you, then let me say what Paul said to the Ephesians. Grow up. And it's really this simple. If you spend more time getting your truth from sources other than the Word of God, and you aren't filtering everything through the Word of God in your life, then this message is probably a bit in your face, and I mean it to be. 2 Timothy 4, 3 says, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction. Okay, we think about that verse, we read it, and and I've done this for many, many years. Thought, well, the world will go crazy, they won't put up with sound doctrine, they won't tolerate, they they won't listen to instruction, those that are outside the church. I think that's true, but I think this verse is for people in the church as well. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction, instruction that challenges them with God's truth. But wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and support the errors they hold. Oh my Lord, church. This is the world we live in. If my job is to equip you, as it says right there in Ephesians, which we read just earlier, my job is to get you ready for service in the army of God to help you find your gifts and help you develop them in God's, for God's use and his glory, then it starts right here. Grow up enough to bury yourself in his word and put up with proper instruction and sound doctrine. How do you do that? You know, you know what we do? We, we have these beliefs We said, this is what I believe. This one scripture says this. I was taught this when I was a kid. Blah, 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 blah. We we just have a belief. And then we go look for someone to uphold that belief. And we can do it better than ever before because we have the internet. Well, I don't like that teacher. I didn't like what he said there. I'm gonna go to the next teacher. And so we we shop for what we wanna hear. We shop for what our tickling ears like and it's pleasing to us. We don't allow ourselves to become challenged and because, and this is why, is because we haven't eaten enough meat to know what is true and what is not true and so we're looking for the milk that we like. You understand what I'm saying? It's very easy to do in this day and time. We like that milk that, oh yeah. I'll give you a case in point and I'm gonna be very careful by saying this because I don't wanna offend anybody but the church used to teach that everybody who committed suicide would go to hell across the board because they had no understanding and we'd say it today and people would go oh that's horrible do you know how many times I've been asked that or I've been told that no people commit suicide some of you are going oh yeah that's what I was taught oh yeah that is true no it's not long ago when they started teaching that they had no idea they had no understanding of mental illness they did nothing to help it And it was presented as fact. It wasn't fact. By the way, uh, you can't tell if anyone's going to heaven or hell. It ain't your place to judge. Whether, whether they get hit by a car or run over by a bus or die of old age, or it doesn't matter. You, it's not our place to say either way to anybody. It's not our place. But you know how many hardships and hurt and heartache has been caused in people's hearts because that was preached?
Devin, you were told that as a young child. Yeah, your dad's probably not in heaven. How? What? That's what I'm talking about. We have to be people that get in the word of God and know the truth and understand it. Anyone who's in the word of God, really in the word of God, understands that that's not our place to judge. That, that particular thing. To judge people's eternities. That, that's, that's not for us to judge. But I don't like to read the word. I don't like to read, Pastor Barry. I don't like reading. Grow up. Quit acting like a baby that only wants milk. I don't have time to read the word of God. Grow up. Make time. You've just been given three, a three-month gift of all the extra stuff being stripped from your schedule. You know what's important now more than ever before. I don't really understand it when I read it. Are you kidding me? Grow up. There are so many resources to help you understand and teach you how to interpret it properly. Properly. Well, I've already read the Bible in its entirety multiple times. Well, read it again. There is no excuse not to saturate yourself in the Word of God. No matter where you're at in your spiritual maturity. I almost wanted to entitle this message, uh, uh, Milk, It Does the Body Good, But Where's the Beef? You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of a long, it was a long title, so I decided to go with Grow Up. There just isn't any excuses for people who have experienced the grace of God, who have been snatched from the fire, who have been saved by grace, who God rescued from the very death, that, that spiritual death that we would experience if we didn't have him. There's no excuse for people like that to take his word, who is really, it's really him. His word and him are, they're, they're one and the same. And to leave it sitting there and not get into it. There's, there's no excuse for it. But I want milk. It's nice and it's easy and it's comfortable. And it's a plentiful supply all over the internet and books and all this stuff. There's great, and I'm not dissing milk. We need it, okay? I, I get that. I still like a good glass of milk once in a while. But if that's all I drank, I would not be healthy. And neither would you. And spiritually speaking, we need more. We need more. There's no one who can hear me this morning via internet, uh, via our overflow rooms, via right here live in the sanctuary. I, no one who can hear me this morning that is so advanced in their spiritual maturity that saturating themselves in the word of God would be useless. In fact, the very thinking that justifies why you are not in the word proves how spiritually infantile you really are. I want the meat. Maybe a glass of milk to help wash it down once in a while, but I want the meat. And the only way you get it is you. Diving in. Diving in. Deeper and deeper into the word of God. And you might come, against, come up, uh, 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 up to a, a phrase that you don't understand. 
Read it again. Well, I still don't understand it. Well, read it again. I still don't understand it. Read it in its context again. I still don't understand it. Get yourself a good Bible study or a good study Bible. Talk to other Christians. Maybe that's when the milk comes in and it's so important to have that because they can help lead and guide. But if you're in the word, you're gonna know what's right and what's wrong. You're gonna know how to stand on certain things and certain issues. A person who is in love with Jesus doesn't just love worship, they love the word. They love it. They almost can't speak without it coming out of their mouth. Constantly. You ever met somebody who loves the word of God? It's like it's part of their speech. Be a lot better than some of the other things that come out of our mouth. Church, I'm calling you to grow up. I'm calling me to grow up. Let's get in the word and eat the meat. Let's pray. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.